0: Um, when you're up in front of people, it's normal to forget your second point. The trick to public speaking is not to tell them that you had a second point. (laughs) Because they don't know the difference. It happens to me all the time. You don't know how many sermons I don't preach. Uh, You guys don't even know about it. Praise the Lord. I I would concur with Steve. Uh, uh, I really believe it is... You always do good when you go on a missions trip, but the main benefactory is you. Uh, you, get, you get changed. And, and we're to be globally minded people. Because um, our responsibility ultimately is to the world. It, it changes your values, your priorities, the way you see things. So I'd really encourage you at some point uh, to go on a short missions trip. Uh, it is uh, very much worth it. One other little uh, word of um, uh, advertisement. Uh, we, we put these, uh, we have a lot of these hanging around, these, these envelopes, so we put them in all the bulletins. Uh, it's just to make it easy for you. If, for those of you, we, we now are, it is certain, going to acquire this building. It, it, that, that's not in question any longer. It, that is done. Praise God. Bob Cutsell saying November 15th we will be there. What's at issue now is how much renovation we can do. And I can promise you this, that uh, we are on a shoestring budget. Uh, so, for those of you who haven't uh, gotten involved in this yet, who haven't joined uh, personally the experience of being a part of what is really a miracle, uh, this is just a nice, easy way for you. If you want to send in an offering, you can. Uh, self-addressed stamp. You don't even have to do that. We made it so easy for you because we're so nice. First Corinthians! You have your Bibles turned there. We're going to continue our teaching time. We believe that uh, the body of Christ is built up in spirit and in truth. You want to worship God. In spirit, we want to preach the Word in truth. And so we want to have passionate worship and passionate and sound preaching uh, based on the Word of God. So this is our teaching time. Um, and we're snailing our way at the speed of slime through the Book of Corinthians. Snailing our way at the speed of slime. That is pretty original. I just came to me. Boy, I'm, I'm anointed tonight. Watch out. I am so. I'm feeling really. Uh, just, I, I'm just feeling. I'm feeling very happy right now. I just. I I'm happy about the Lord. I, I had a nice worship time. I, I just love losing myself in the presence of God. Uh, you just forget about everyone else, and you're just worshiping God. And I get blessed. And also last night I had an opportunity. Some of you maybe were there. Was anyone there at the debate at the U of M last night? Oh, quite a few you were. See, I, I I had such a good time there. That was a blast. I got a chance to go. Uh, to debate with one of the top critics of Christianity uh, in the country, maybe in the world, he's kind of renowned for this. And uh, we didn't advertise it much at Woodland Hills or anywhere else because we wanted to have as many atheists and non-believers there as possible. Um, we, we did, and we, we filled up the auditorium. There was a 1,200 seat auditorium. They estimate there's about 1,400 people there, and uh, we got a chance. And it was just such a good time uh, to to be able to 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 put Christ in the marketplace of ideas on the university. And uh, it really doesn't matter, you know, if people ask who won or who had the butter argument, whatever, and that's not really what it's about. All I know is I had a chance to present Christ intelligently to people who think about those kind of things. And for that, I'm thankful, you know. Uh, nothing else really matters. So feeling very happy about the whole thing. Praise God. But how did I do? <laughs> no, I'm not Did I win? <laughs> did I win? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Verse 4 of 1 Corinthians, I'm going to read the same verses I read last time, but center on a different topic. Paul says, I always thank God for you because of His grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in Him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. So here, Paul, we noted last week, he starts with a strong word of affirmation, and that's a good word of advice to all of us. Whenever you have something critical to say, surround it. You have to communicate love in it, so you surround it with words of affirmation. And we see that Paul does that. Therefore, he says, verse 7, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with His Son Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. I want to center our attention tonight on verse 7 of this passage, where Paul says that you don't lack any spiritual gift. The word there is chrismata. We get the word charismatic from it. You don't lack any chrismata as you eagerly wait for our Lord uh, Jesus Christ to be revealed. I, I want to spend a half hour, 40 minutes or so, talking about a topic that is somewhat controversial, uh, but important for us. And so I want to ask the Lord's presence to be here, that uh, what is said is the right thing and what is heard is the right thing. So pray with me here. Father, we submit this next half hour or 40 minutes, Lord, or however long it takes to You, and ask God that You would fill this Word with Your Spirit. Father, I pray that you would dilute out anything that is not consistent with truth, Lord God, and emphasize and magnify everything that is consistent with truth, Lord. I pray, God, that you would, for people who have buzzers about this topic, and there are some, I'm sure, who have those, I pray, Lord God, that you'd collapse those buzzers, those triggers, that uh, would maybe prevent them from really hearing what your Word has to say about this. Lord God, give us a peace. Uh, Lord God, knowing that we are all in process on every topic, Lord God, uh, God, give us Your grace that we might give each other space to grow and and to differ and process things. But Lord God, most of all, that Your Word be magnified here, God, that we would be all that You want us to be in this world. We ask this in in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. I actually was going to uh, let this one slide and move on to uh, the where Paul really begins to deal with the substance of his letter in verse 10. And because we'll be coming back to this uh, when we we hit chapter 12, and chapter 13 and chapter 14, which is all about spiritual gifts. Uh, But I really felt the Lord say um, that we need to have a word about it right now. Um, Who knows when we're going to get to chapter 12. Uh, The Lord may be revealed by then, so uh, better, better deal it with now, quick, before the Lord returns. The word for spiritual gifts here, as I said, uh, is the word charismata. We get the word charismatic. And I bet when I just say the word charismatic, like this, or gifts of the Spirit, or speaking in tongues, or something like that, I bet some of you, some of you probably just got excited. Like, oh, good! Now we're getting to the meat. Finally, he's starting to preach about you know something important. Uh, now we're going to get to the exciting stuff of Christianity. There are some who are like that. They've had real positive experiences with this, and you're all set to go. There are others here who probably are really nervous. Uh, it's like, oh my gosh, I thought this was a safe church. I, I thought, you know, I thought this was sane. And now they're going to start getting into this weird stuff. I just came from a church that divided over this topic. I don't want us to talk about it. Let's pretend like it doesn't exist. But see, that's not an alternative either. Uh, this is a controversial topic, but we just got to deal with it straight on and, um, uh, and deal with it in a godly and balanced way. And that's what we're going to try to do. The chrismata are a special category of gifts that Paul talks about. There's a lot of gifts that God gives His people. There's the gift of administration, gift of teaching, uh, you know, gift of hospitality, and, and a number of, of gifts. But one set of those gifts are called the chrismata, or another word for them is pneumatikoi. Pneumatikoi means spiritual things. Chrismata means little gracelet. Um, and they refer to uh, the, the more supernatural gifts. Okay, uh, uh, they're found listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there. I just want us to know what we're talking about. I'm not going to individually address these right now. This isn't my main point, but I want us to know what we're talking about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says this, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Verse 7. Now, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. Now, that he doesn't say it's given wisdom, but it's the message of wisdom. Uh, it's a word of wisdom uh, for a particular time and a particular place. This isn't just the gift of being wise. It's a supernatural word that you get that really lands in a particular situation. So some are given a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge. That's a word of knowledge, a piece of knowledge that you, wouldn't, you couldn't derive on your own. It's not just being knowledgeable, it's, it's, a, it's a supernatural impartation of knowledge. A message of wisdom, a word of knowledge, message of knowledge. To another, faith by the same Spirit, a supernatural ability to believe the unbelievable. To another, gifts of healing, the ability to pray for people and to see them healed. To another, miraculous powers, the ability to, in Jesus' name, do signs and wonders. To another, the gift of prophecy, to be able to speak the Word of God boldly. To another, distinguishing between spirits, to be able to tell where, kind of what's going on in the spiritual realm, what is good and what is evil. Um, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, glossolalia. Uh, It's being able to praise God or uh, to give a message in a language that you have never on your own learned To another the interpretation of tongues. That's a supernatural thing It's not the ability to learn foreign language and translate it It's a supernatural gift that God gives you to understand what a person who's speaking in tongues is saying All these are, are the work of one and the same spirit and he gives them to each one just as he determines That's what we're talking about now, the question is, is, what role should those have in our lives today? Uh, a little history is in order here, to set a broader context. Okay? This is teaching time. Um, this, the, the controversy surrounding these gifts uh, didn't start in this century. It's been around from the dawn of, of, of church history. If
1: you look at the early church,
0: we, thought, we, 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 we read in, in the uh, authors of the second century that these gifts were, were widely practiced. Uh, Usually, in people's ministry to the world or in small groups when they'd get together in house churches, we find people mentioning that speaking in tongues was there, prophecy was there, healings was there. And in a lot of their ministry to evangelize the world, they would perform signs and wonders and healings as a way of demonstrating the truth of the gospel. The gifts of the Spirit were flowing very, uh, uh, very rapidly uh, in the early church. In time, those things began to decline. And for about 100 years, you see a gradual demise of these gifts. They, they, they stop being used as much. A movement came around in the 3rd century called the Montanist Movement, which was sort of a revival of these gifts. So that this movement, it was like the first major charismatic movement, tried to say that the church is backsliding because these gifts are no longer being used. And they tried to get the church to recover these gifts. But unfortunately, as often happens in revival movements, they were very excessive about this. And so they would break into churches and they start speaking in tongues and they start giving prophecies and rolling on the floor and giving all sorts of weird messages that weren't landing and they were splitting churches. So the church of the 3rd century really made a decision. It was more a matter of a lot of individual decisions. But they said, you know what, we don't need this stuff anymore. And they, they, not everyone, but many of them said these gifts were for a past era. Uh, they're no longer supposed to be in operation, stop it. Whenever you have an excessive reaction in one direction, you're going to get an excessive reaction in the other direction. So the excessive use of the gifts led to an excessive clamping down on the gifts. And throughout most of church history, that's what we've had. Uh, the gifts of the Spirit, these charismata, have not generally been very present in the church. For most of church history, they've been altogether absent. They creep up a little bit in this revival or that revival. The early Methodists would have some of these gifts and things like that. But by and large, they were ignored. Now, um, uh, in the beginning of this century, there was a thing called the Pentecostal Movement. How many of you have heard about the Pentecostal Movement? Most of you probably have, Pentecostals. And uh, beginning of this century, there was this, it, was like a, it was like a modernist movement, a, a, uh, an awareness that these gifts are for today. And so we had poured out uh, the Holy Spirit, and people began to recover these gifts, prophesying, speaking in tongues, and whatever. Now, there were, in the opinion of, of some of us, uh, some excessive elements to that Pentecostal Movement. For example, they tried to get everyone to speak in tongues, and that caused an overreaction against them, as always happens. An excessive reaction in one direction leads to an excessive reaction in a different direction. So the church, many Christians said, we're against the Pentecostal movement. The gifts are not for today. They were for the first century, and that's, that's it. So what we have now is this. You've got some groups who believe that the gifts are for today, and... Uh, among other things, think that you're, you're, you're not spiritual if you don't have them, and, and everybody should speak in tongues. Then you have another group that is saying, you know what? These are called the dispensationalists. These are the Dallas Theological Seminary types. That's kind of the mecca of dispensationalism. And they say the gifts are for the first century. Uh, the only thing we have going on today, they're all counterfeits, uh, and, and that was for a bygone era. No more gifts for today. These chrismata are done with. All right? Those are the two extremes. In the middle, somewhere in the middle, in the very shades of the middle, you have those Christians who say, yes, the gifts are for today, but. And the but is uh, a, a, a qualification, saying we're not, uh, we're not sure that everything that's been going on in the names of, of the gifts uh, or for the cause of these gifts is biblical. Yes, but we must be very sure that the way we use them is biblical. And uh, what I want to submit to you tonight is that Woodland Hills is a yes, but church. Uh, a yes-but church. Uh, we believe the gifts are for today, but we want to take a lot of caution in how they're used. Um, and so I, I want to here give a couple of reasons why I believe that the gifts are for today, but why they need to be used with uh, a lot of biblical insight. Let me first say this. I am very... I understand how people come to the conclusion... Uh, that, that the gifts are not for today. I'm sympathetic. I don't think that it's just a, a bunch of people who, who don't want to obey God or something like that. Um, many people have been burned by this stuff. I talked to a lady about two weeks ago at, at Woodland Hills Church who said that she came from a church where, they, where someone actually made their daughter stay in a room until she spoke in tongues. Uh, she was grounded until she... No, you know, that's just great. And that's just... Well, that, that's going to give that kid a real positive, uh, you know view of, of, of any gift, or of God. Um, and so I can understand how people come to the conclusion, they just say, you know what, I don't think this is of God. I have had, believe me, since, since I became a Christian when I was 17, I've always been around Pentecostals and Charismatics and whatever. That's the circle I, I'm most comfortable in. I move in that circle. And I, I have had a lot of crazy, wacko, weird stuff done in Jesus' name that's supposed to be the gifts of the Spirit. You wouldn't believe some of the prophecies that have been said over me. Uh, Just, you know, the Lord is saying to you, you know, uh, and and just weird stuff. And I always say, you know, basically, well, you make sure that you pray that God will tell me because I'm certainly not going to do what you just told me to do because you told me to do it. Uh, If it's of God, He's going to have to confirm it in me. I'm supposed to be, one person said, uh, a healing evangelist. Uh, And I'm supposed to leave, you know, teaching and leave my church and go and do a healing ministry. It's like, well... (laughs) That's going to take some real coaching on God's part. I'm open to it, but you know, your thus says the Lord isn't going to do it. People will say, thus says it, say the Lord, you're supposed to marry somebody. You know, have you heard, and, and, oh. <laughs> or I've heard this one, thus says the Lord, you're supposed to divorce somebody and then go marry somebody. I've heard a thus say the Lord, you're supposed to marry that somebody and that somebody was already married. I mean, it, this is crazy stuff. I, I've seen that. I understand the, 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 the craziness that can go on. Uh, you know, people um, uh, in Jesus' name jumping over pews, and, and uh, oh, I got stories. I was in, I was in. Uh, I'll tell you one of them. Uh, I, this is my first pastoral experience. I was in a church that really believed in the working of the gifts, and they thought on a Sunday morning anybody could say, anyone could stand up and say, "Thus says the Lord," and everyone had to listen to them. So it's kind of like whoever wants to speak is going to be God for five minutes, and we're uh, going to speak for God for five minutes. And I'll say more about that a little bit later on. But so I'm in this church. Okay, the pastor had just left, so I'm in charge of this church. i was this young seminary student who doesn't know dilly squat about anything. This pastor just yanked me in to be the worship leader for six weeks before he left because uh, he knew that this church was on the verge of blowing up, and he didn't want to deal with it. So he leaves it to this young seminarian who doesn't know dilly squat about anything. So here I am, uh, and we're trying all candidates to come in and be the preacher here, all right? This, this church had a chronic problem of a power control thing where they, whoever was on board, there was a bunch of people who wanted to get them off the board, so that they could be on the board. And then this group would try to get them off the board so they could be on the board. And it was this classic power struggle that had been going on for 50 years. It was on the verge of blowing up. So here we have a pastor candidating at this church, and I'm leading song service, okay? You know, it shows you how hard up they were for a worship leader. Um, The guy was just bailing. He just dumped on me. So I'm doing this, and a song settles, and we're worshiping God, and all of a sudden the lady stands up and says, Thus says the Lord. It turns out she was the wife of one of the people that were on the group that wanted to be on the board but now wasn't on the board. So, guess what a prophecy was? The Lord says the board is supposed to resign. Now, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know about it. This is this the day I found out about the power struggle. And I was like, the Lord said what? The, Lord, the board is supposed to resign. Well, it turns out that the people on the board suspected like something like this might happen because it's happened before. No one told, tells moi. Uh, but, so, they told the guy coming in who was candidating... If, 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 a, if a certain lady stands up to prophecy, you, you, you shut her down. Now, I don't know about... So I, I'm like listening to this prophecy going, uh-oh. And then the pastor stands up and says, uh, the, the, the candidate... We ended up not getting him. But the candidate says, uh, Lady, uh, this is not of, uh, of God. You are to sit down. Which immediately led to a prophecy against him. A person stood up and says, Thus says the Lord, you are to God's will because that is a true prophecy. You are not a real man of God. And now things are getting interesting. <laughs> And I'm still trying to lead song service, you know. <laughs> How about hymn number 12? That would fit right now. <laughs> There's another prophecy against that prophecy for rebuking the pastor who was right in, in, in forbidding the first prophecy, which led to another counter prophecy and another counter counter prophecy and a triple counter prophecy and a quadruple counter prophecy. And like, like, like a match to gasoline, we had prophecies going on all over this church. Everyone was pointing fingers at everybody and, and prophesying against one another. This happened in about eight seconds. I mean, it was like a nightmare. And I'm still trying to do hymn number 12. And then we had just converted a band of gypsies. Uh, they didn't know much English, but they were very emotional people. Um, and they all stood up. They always sat over here. And they all stood up. They were very excited and started running around the church. And they were screaming. They're, they're quenching Jesus. They're quenching Jesus. And I don't know what side they were on. But now they're starting to do laps. You know, okay, this, this is good. we got the jogging crew out there. And so I, I, this whole time I'm just kind of like going like this, uh, you know. I, I don't know nothing from anything. I'm a, I'm a seminarian, you know. I'm just trying to do a job, trying to sing song 12, and, and I'm just watching this happen, you know. Well, then the pastor comes up and he tells the organist to turn the organ up real loud. We're going to sing peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. The, the, the gypsies are doing laughs. People are doing counter prophecies. I'm telling you the truth. I'm up there still, kind of like in shock. I look out the vestibule. I was in this message, and I see a guy slugging somebody. I, when God said He chose the foolish of the world, He meant it. I <laughs> mean, and so I'm watching this fight breaking out. And this is like a Monty Python church, you know? It's like, me get a break. And I finally, it was at that point when I saw the fight, I started to laugh. I, I it was like. And I just, I just backed up against the wall, and I just watched. I mean, this was hilarious. This was hilarious. Finally, the, organ, the organist went out, and they're singing piece piece. A couple of people left. The gypsy sat down. And, um, and then there's this really awkward silence. Like, you know, aren't we embarrassed? <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's like you look at each other, and like, N- now what do we do? And, and I, I guess I still had the floor, so I stood up, and I, I said, uh, I want to welcome all you newcomers here today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is a
0: rather typical uh, service for us. We do this all the time.
1: <laughs>
0: Welcome to America's dysfunctional family, you know.
1: <laughs>
0: but see, at that point, I was about a quarter of an inch from agreeing with Dallas seminarians. You know what? It wouldn't have taken very much for me to say this. This, this is not of God. It obviously was not of God. But to say, you know what? Uh, maybe, maybe we're be- maybe we can't handle these gifts. Maybe we're better off without them. Let's just shut them down. Um, You know, forget it. It's too much trouble. It's not worth it. And I would have been, you know, very happy with that idea at this time. There's three things which, in spite of the abuse that you often see, have kept me believing that the gifts are for today. And they need to be taught. And like the Corinthians, we are to come behind in no gift, waiting for the, the coming of our Lord. Let me give you those three things. Number one. Why I still think we should be a yes church with a strong but. First of all, the Bible says here in verse 7 that the Corinthians, Paul says, you don't come behind in any chrismata waiting for the coming of the Lord. That tells us that the chrismata are to be in operation until the Lord comes back. Uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12 and in 1 Corinthians 14, he gives a lot of teaching about the gifts and he never suggests that the gifts are for a limited usage. The, the understanding is that, I mean, if God takes the, the trouble to inspire two chapters of the New Testament, that's probably a good indication that's, that, 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 that this isn't, speaking in tongues here, that this isn't for a mere 60 years or something. So uh, the, the Bible assumes that the chrismata will be in operation until the Lord comes back. Here's the bottom line. We have got to have this commitment that we will preach the Word of God whether it's convenient to our experience or not. Amen? We'll preach the Word of God whether it squares with our experience or not. We'll preach the Word of God whether, uh, whether there are people who are using it right or not. I'm going to preach healing till the day I die, whether or not I see another individual ever healed. Why? Because the Bible teaches that healing is for today. Don't try to make the Word of God square up with your experience. Try to make your experience square up with the Word of God. Amen? I'm going to preach racial reconciliation, even though it's hard. In our culture, it's just—it's a hard road to toe, but it's biblical, and so we've got to preach it. I'm going to preach about building community, even though it's a hard message in our individualistic culture. Um, it needs to be preached. Why? Because it's in the, the Word of God. I'm going to preach about biblical stewardship, about living a self-sacrificial lifestyle, even though in our culture, with its American uh, me-first mindset, it doesn't go very well. But too bad for your experience. The job is to preach and inform your experience on the basis of the Word of God, not change the Word of God on the basis of your experience. So if the Bible says that the chrismata are to be in operation until the Lord comes back, then we've got to be preaching the chrismata until the Lord comes back. Amen? Amen. Now, that means that you learn from your experience, but you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Now, some people might say this, well, what about, doesn't the Bible itself say that tongues shall cease and prophecies shall cease? And it does. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you have your Bibles. 1 Corinthians 13. I remember reading a book on this. It was called Tongues Shall Cease. And of course it was written by somebody who thought that the tongues, speaking in tongues was not for today. It says this in verse 8. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies they will cease. They'll come to an end. Where there are tongues they will be stilled, but where there is knowledge it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. Then Paul says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child, but when I became a a, a man, I put away childish things. Now, verse 12, excuse me. now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, but then we'll see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Some people say, look, the Bible says tongues shall cease. Uh, The perfection is the Bible, so when the Bible has been written, which is at the end of the first century, then we should have no more tongues and no more prophecy. I just want us to take a close look at this, that that, that line of argumentation. Paul says that when perfection comes, that which is in part shall be done away with. He knows prophecies, he says tongues, but he also says knowledge. For now we know in part, but then we shall know fully. Do any of us know fully yet? Uh, Has knowledge been done away with? Our partial knowledge? I don't think so. Which leads me to think that if knowledge hasn't been done away with, then prophecies and tongues aren't to be done away with either. The perfection Paul's talking about... Um, is I think it's very clear in this verse is the coming of the Lord, which squares perfectly with uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, where he says that the chrismata are to be in operation until the Lord comes back. I still see through a mirror darkly. I don't know about you. I don't see face-to-face. Uh, and, and so if that's the case, it leads me to believe that the perfection has not yet come. Uh, so for that reason, I believe that the Bible teaches that the gifts are for today. We've got to be careful, and this is my second reason, and I already uh, intimated earlier, not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And this is something that, that Christians, conservative Christians, are very inclined to do. We tend to be reactionary. We tend to have a, a, almost sometimes a paranoid mindset where if we see any abuse anywhere or any corruption anywhere or, or any uh, uh, fraud anywhere, we, we just throw out the whole thing. So if we see the gifts being uh, abused, uh, some are inclined to say, well, then forget the gifts. If you if you hear about counterfeit tongues, well, I guess speaking in tongues uh, is is not for today. It's done away with. If you hear about people who are getting wacko and faking being slain in the Spirit, well, then we say, well, then no one can be slain in the Spirit. If we hear about false miracles of people faking miracles, Peter, Popoff, or whatever, uh, doing these, these charlatans, doing these kind of miracles, then we say, oh, we don't want any more miracles. If we hear about false visions, we don't want to have any true visions. Uh, since there is some, some ungodly sexual dancing, then we don't want to have any dancing. And some, some people get addicted to gambling through cards. We're not going to have any card playing. And since there are some movies that are really perverse, no one can go to movies. And since some rock music is really ungodly, we're not going to have any rock music. And since some people can't, you know, handle drinking alcohol and they get drunk on wine, then everybody has to stop drinking wine. And, uh, and so on and so on and so on. So some people, well, you can just push this in a lot of different directions. And we end up throwing out the baby with the bathwater. And what really bugs me about this whole thing is, is this. I'm tired of the lot of the devil getting the lion's share of what belongs to God. See, we end up giving the devil everything. He corrupts it a little bit, and so we go, oh, no, oh, no, and we throw everything, we give, let him have it. But who invented rhythm? Somebody tell me it wasn't the devil, it was God. And the devil can abuse it, but God wants it back. So let's use rhythm for the Lord. I mean, we've had people who say, gosh, you know this, you use this ungodly rock beat in church. Well, see... You know, if Lawrence Welk was still popular, I bet the devil would find a way to abuse that music too. The music isn't the problem. It's what you do with it that's the problem. And our job is to use it for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. That's how it is. And so it is with dancing. You see, uh, the natural, it, it's harder to sit there and, and, and discern what is good and what is bad. The easy thing is just to be reactionary. But what happens is when you, when you, when you just lump everything into one basket... You end up with a very small universe. You become a little Masada. And, and, and you know, the church that I was saved, they didn't, they didn't do anything because they're afraid of contamination. You know, you don't go to baseball games because people drink beer at baseball games. You don't go to bowling alleys because people smoke cigarettes at bowling alleys. Well, how are you going to go out and witness to the world if, if your whole time is spent in this little pure closet that you've created for yourself, you know? Uh, you can be so afraid of the world that you're no worldly good at it what, whatsoever. And so you have a very small universe. But the other thing is this. Uh, ask yourself this question. Uh, you see, when we do this, when, 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 because of abuse or of, uh, of fakes, uh, we, 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 we get rid of everything, we are really playing into the devil's strategy. Uh, think of it this way. When was the last time you heard of somebody creating a counterfeit $3 bill? Probably quite a, way, quite a while ago. Because there are no real $3 bills, so no one makes phony $3 bills. But you do find phony $100 bills, don't you? Because there are real $100 bills. All right? You've got to assume that whatever is true, the devil will come up with a counterfeit or at least try to abuse what is true so it becomes a counterfeit. All right? That, that's, that's part of the strategy because that way he can confuse people and maybe get uh, the sincere to throw the baby out with a bathwater. Let's not use money at all since some of these bills are counterfeit. One person came to me one time, a Bethel student said, you know, I don't believe in the speaking in tongues thing because I heard someone told me that once they recorded somebody speaking in tongues and it was of the devil, it, it, was, it was cursings. Now, she, you know, this is one of these urban legends about somebody, somebody who heard somebody, who somebody who, whose grandmother once uh, was on vacation and saw a, an advertisement of somebody who saw somebody uh, speak in tongues and it was of the devil, you know? And uh, you, there's no way to trace those down. But even if it was true, and maybe it is true, I, I asked her this, even if that's true, why do you think the devil would take the time to come up with a demonic version of speaking in tongues? Uh, unless there was something he was trying to get you to stay away from. If it was all of the devil, then he wouldn't uh, you know, take the trouble to, to counterfeit this. The fact that there's a counterfeit, if anything, shows that there is a genuine. And so, so what we find is this Jeremiah in the Old Testament. They had counterfeit prophecies. He mentions counterfeit prophecies, but he doesn't say, therefore, there's no more prophesying. He says, no, we must test the prophets to see whether they're of God or not. Ezekiel, he confronts counterfeit prophecies, but he doesn't throw out all prophecies for that reason. He says, we've got to test them to see which is true. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 14 the Corinthians were abusing all these gifts. They were all being abused. We'll see that in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. But Paul doesn't say, stop it, this is no longer of God. He takes the time to teach them how to do it correctly. And he says in, 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 in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29, he says when someone gives a prophecy, you've got to discriminate. Weigh it. See whether it's of God or not. Don't just believe it. But on the other hand, don't just uh, reject it. And in Thessalonians, he says, forbid not prophesying. So the last thing that we can do is forbid prophesying, forbid speaking in tongues, but we've got to be careful with how it's used. The third thing, why I think we need to be a yes-but church, why I am a yes-but Christian, I believe the gifts are for today, but the reason I think that they're for today is because I've seen them being used in marvelous ways. And uh, I have myself experienced the use of these gifts in ways that are wonderful. When they're used biblically and in the proper context, they they, they just can minister. Um, I find, I don't think this is for everybody. Uh, part of the, the Pentecostal teaching in the early part of the century was that everyone was supposed to speak in tongues, or you didn't have the Holy Spirit. And I don't believe that. And I don't think the gift of tongues is for everybody. But I have that gift, and I use it a lot in my own prayer time, and it ministers to me greatly. I, 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 to me, that's the right use of the gift. in, in, in my, on my own, when I'm praying, I often will speak in tongues, and I think it's a, a powerful, beneficial thing. But I don't think that you're less of a Christian if you don't do that, you see. But that's a, that's a proper use of it. Several times I've been used of the Lord with the word of knowledge. I, I've always prayed for the, the gift of healing and, I, and, and other gifts. I think Paul tells us to be zealous for the gifts. Um, but several times I, I've been used of the word of knowledge. And it, it just, it's, it's wonderful what the Lord can do. Uh, there was a uh, young uh, lady who, a while ago, um, approached me about the problem of evil. And she starts arguing with me because she was saying that everything that happens is ordained by God. And she was in a class where I said that I don't think everything that happens is ordained by God. Some of it is the work of the devil or evil people or whatever, whatever. but it's not all of God. So she's arguing with me about this. Now as she's arguing with me, I get what I think is a word of knowledge. And that was simply that there's more going on here than this academic discussion. Uh, and I had just a vague sense uh, about something that happened two days ago, and it had to, was, had to do with sex. And, I, and that's all. I, I was just kind of vaguely aware of that. I believe that I could be wrong about this, and I think it's always good to factor that into the equation. When you come up and grab hands on somebody and says, thus says the Lord, uh, you know, that, that's always a dangerous thing to do, because uh, you might be wrong. And so I always believe it's good to be tentative with this. If, if, if what you're saying is of God, it's going to land. Um, and so what I, I said to her was this. I, I, I used an illustration, and she was saying it's all ordained of God. So I said, are you telling me that let's say there was a girl who two days ago got raped on this campus, that um, that was ordained by God, and she just froze. I mean, she went flush and she stared at me, and she backed up a little bit, and her eyes welled up with tears. And then she finally just got out this in a quivering voice, "How did you know?" And I said, "I didn't know anything." And she says, "I was raped two days ago," um, and that opened up a whole world of ministry and uh, just and see what was going on. She was talking in my office because she herself was wrestling with how could God ordain this for me. Okay, but she was trying to, trying to convince herself that this was of God, and now this opened up a, a world of healing and, and, and whatever. That's an appro- appropriate use of the gifts. They can be used wonderfully. And I, and I know of many instances of that. So, sometimes the gifts have been used towards me When someone's praying for me. All of a sudden they'll just land it. I mean, they'll just land it and it lets me know that God really knows about my issue. And some of you have experienced that. When they're used in the right context and the right means through the Spirit... Uh, they, they, can be, uh, they, they can be beautiful. When they're abused, they can be very, very damaging. So let me close with, with, with just a, a couple of points. Um, uh, four four brief points here will take four minutes. Number one, we're for the gifts. I believe that the gifts are for today. We should come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord, the chrismata. And so we want to be about teaching this. Now to today, uh, we've had so many other things on the front burner that have had to take place. This isn't the highest priority. So this hasn't been a primary teaching. In time, we have, in certain contexts, done some teaching on these gifts. In time, we'll have a class that will be open to people to come in and, and begin to learn about these gifts and to explore these gifts because um, I think they're valuable. Secondly, we don't believe, we just got to say these things out front, that, that uh, now in, in Woodland Hills there's a lot of people with a lot of different opinions. We're okay with that. But the official position of Woodland Hills Church, and anyone who's going to be teaching, uh, representing Woodland Hills Church, has got to be consistent with this. That, that the gifts, that there's any one gift that's sort of above the others, that it's a sign of some sort. We don't believe that speaking in tongues is the evidence, the only evidence of being baptized in the Spirit. We do believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but we don't see it taught in Scripture that, it, that it, the way you know it is by speaking in tongues, and if that doesn't happen, therefore you're not filled. Okay, but tongues is a good gift. Uh, we're open to that, used in the right context, but not as a sign of some sort or any other gift for that reason. Uh, thirdly and this is important we believe that the gifts are primarily looking at the pattern of scripture they're used for personal and interpersonal ministry hear me on this uh, jesus is a good example of how the gifts of the spirit the chrismata can be used in personal ministry he went around and when he prayed for people he'd often have a word of knowledge a word of wisdom okay Uh, a gift of healing uh, the the, the ability to work miracles Uh, in terms of our, we're all ministers and as we minister in the world these gifts can be used wonderfully most of the use of the gifts, I believe, I believe, at least in my experience, has come out of, out of this kind of personal ministry. It's good to be, have the gifts flowing through you as you do ministry in this world. As you pray for people, be open to God, giving you a word of knowledge. They're also used for interpersonal ministry. This is how we find them mainly used in First Corinthians chapter 12 and 14. Understand this, and we'll get to this next week, but when Paul writes to the Corinthians church, there's not one giant church. There's a lot of house churches. And so he's talking to believers who are, they are coming together and they're using these gifts to minister to one another. This is the body of Christ. But it's not like a group of a 1,000. It's a group of 10 to 20, maybe up to 50 people, some scholars argue, but they're meeting in houses. They couldn't get that big. The gifts of the Spirit work very, very well in small group contexts where you know one another. Now you can discern. Um, the amount of good that can happen is great. The amount of harm that can happen is minuscule. If, if I'm in a group of, of, of 20 people and I know them... Um, and somebody gets a word for me, it has as much credibility as it should have, given what I know about that person. If that person is a person of God, and this word really lands, I'll say, man, praise God. That, that was beautiful. That really helped. It may be, however, that this person goes on a manic-depressant cycle, and when they get on the manic cycle, they say, thus says the Lord. And we all know that that's kind of a manic cycle the guy goes through. No harm. We get him back on his medication, and he goes on as usual. But see, if we're in a group of a 1,000 people or 5,000 people and Mr. Manic stands up, he didn't take his medication because God told him not to, and he says, that says the Lord, I am God. I just gave you a quote, by the way, of that church that I was in. We had a guy like this. I am God. Uh, you walked about on before me. Now, now, you see, now everyone's embarrassed and we've got to spend the rest of the morning trying to clean up. And that's not what we're here for. Uh, there's no precedent in, in the Bible for the gifts being used for, for groups like this. Uh, They did meet in Solomon's Court. They would have city gatherings, but we don't see any occasion where the gifts are used for large group proclamations. Um, It's very hard to judge and discern what is true, what is false, or whatever, when you're in a group like this, because most people don't know one another. Now, when you're up front here praying, now the gifts can be used in a personal ministry way and in an interpersonal way. In small groups, they can be used in a personal way and in an interpersonal way. But in a large group like this, Well, I don't know most of you very, very well, and and you don't know most of each other very well, so if someone stands up, how do I know whether it's of God or they're on a manic cycle, you see? Which is why we have this policy. Uh, If someone believes, really believes they have a word for the whole church, someone needs to discern it before it goes out and does damage. And so it needs to be written out and submitted to the leadership, and we'll discern whether or not this is something that should really go for the whole church. And we'll publish it. We've done that twice. Uh, where we think, you know what, this really is a word. Let, let's get this out there. But there has to be some kind of a discernment for it. Paul commands that. If someone prophesies, someone has to discern. Um, and uh, uh, without that, you're in grave danger. If the church I was in had had that policy, we would have never had that circus that we had that wonderful morning. The final thing is this, and this is maybe the most important thing. Paul does say, he uses the word zelao in Greek, be zealous for the gifts. We are to desire the gifts of the, of the Spirit, the chrismata. He encourages the Corinthians to do that. Especially those gifts that can benefit the whole body, okay? That can benefit others. They're, they're, they're the gifts of prophecy used in a small group context uh, can, be, can, can be marvelous. Or in personal ministry can be marvelous. Um, but here's the thing. Our desire to be used, to, to have the gifts, should not be motivated by it's a cool kind of a thing. What a neat deal. I would like a little bit of that. You know, wouldn't it be cool to speak in tongues? Well, if I could have a word of knowledge kind of stuff. Sometimes we turn these gifts into little carnival tricks. And when that becomes the motivation, uh, you're better off not seeking the gifts at all. The reason why we seek the gifts is because we want to serve the giver of the gifts. Amen? So the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. What we need to seek with all of our heart, the center of our faith, is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ alone. And our desire has got to be to love Him, to serve Him, and to receive from Him all that He wants to give us. And if God wants to use me with the word of knowledge, then I want to say, God, then use me with the word of knowledge. Lord, if you want to give me the gift of tongues, then give me the gift of tongues. Lord, if you want to use me for healings, give me the the gift of healing. But not because healing is cool or word of knowledge is neat or speaking in tongues is puts you up on a pedestal of some sort. Not at all. It's because I love Jesus Christ. That's why we should say, Lord, you know, be open, uh, or we should be open to the Lord giving us these gifts. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek Jesus Christ. Fall in love with Jesus. Don't fall in love with the gifts. The gifts are simply there to be in service for our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe, I'll close with this, I really believe that every abuse that's ever happened with these charismatic gifts uh, is the result of people falling in love with the gift more than the giver of the gift. Uh, and, and, and at that point, we turn Christianity into a carnival. It becomes divisive. We give the enemy a foothold. He can come in here and do all of his, his, his stuff, and it just destroys and destroys and destroys. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Be open to the gifts. I would encourage you to be open to the gifts. Be biblical in how you walk with them. But most of all, be in love with Jesus Christ. Let's stand and close in prayer. Our prayer team, if you're here, would you come forward? And I would invite you uh, to, uh, as the service ends, feel free to come forward, receive prayer for anything. And maybe it's even on this issue. Maybe uh, you would like to really break through some things uh, and be used of God in in this way. Feel free to come forward and uh, be ministered to in prayer. But let me close. Father, in Jesus' name, we say out loud, Lord, that we want everything that you have for us, nothing more, nothing less, uh, Lord God. And so we open up our hearts to you, Lord God, and ask for you to pour out your spirit in just the way that it needs to be poured out in our life and in the life of this body here, Lord. Uh, Lord God, we thank you that uh, you're a God who has told us to do everything decently in order, but you have told us to do everything, praise God. And so, Lord, we want all that you have for us. Um, Lord God, we pray that your gifts would be poured out, Lord. Uh, We pray, Lord God, that You'd fill us with Your Spirit. We pray, Lord God, that Your power and anointing would be upon us as we go out of this place, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that Your Spirit would flow through us, Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord God, that You would tear down every stronghold in our minds uh, of this Western culture that rules the supernatural out, Lord, and that we would be believers who walk in the supernatural anointing of the Holy Spirit as we carry out the ministry that You've given us to do, Lord God. We thank You, we praise You, we exalt You, we rejoice in You as we carry out the kingdom out of this place into the world around us, in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. God bless you guys. Be anointed.